Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club, the place investors go to learn tips, tricks, and stories from other investors in the field. If you feel we provide a value to you, go ahead and hit that thumbs up, share, whatever it may be. And if you'd like for us to cover a specific topic, let us know in the comments or reach out to us through our website. Today, we have a very special guest, so buckle up, grab your pen and paper, and enjoy the ride. Neil, thank you for joining us today. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I know uh, you're calling from the Midwest, Indianapolis, correct? Yep. Indianapolis, Indiana. I grew up here. It's a great place to invest in real estate. (laughs) So I've heard. So I've heard. I've been trying to get into Columbus myself. Um, To get us started, though, why don't you tell us, you know, a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from, um, and how you got started in real estate in the first place? Sure. Yeah. My name is Neil Garadia. Um, like I mentioned, I grew up here in Indianapolis and um, by training, I'm, I'm a mechanical engineer. I've always liked how things worked, tried to figure out how they work and um, went to Purdue to, to get my engineering degree and then worked for Rolls-Royce for 10 years uh, designing airplane engines. So it was completely different than real estate, but that's how I got my start in my career. And um, a couple years into that, uh, experience. I kind of, I read a book like, like most people had, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it, it really got me thinking about the idea of passive income. And um, that was just a big, you know, mind blowing um, thought of, that you can make money when you sleep. And I, I didn't want to let that idea go. I wanted to see where that could take me. So I started talking to friends about that. And you know, before you know it, I had two or three people that had read the book as well. And they were, they were my good friends growing up. Um, and we, we just started buying houses. Um, this was all during working a nine to five job. And um, it just progressed from there. We started buying, renovating, refinancing the Burr method. We started flipping. We bought delinquent notes where the person hadn't really been making their payments on time. And we took those assets over from them. Um, it uh, it kind of went from there. So that's that's kind of how I got started. And um, eventually, I got to the point where I could leave my job. And in fact, what I'm doing now is more um, on the wholesaling side, as well as um, developing land into actual neighborhoods. So our first neighborhood that we developed was. 20 acres and uh, 41 lots that we were able to subdivide. And uh, we're doing another one that's 33 lots this year. And um, it's just going to continue from there. So it's, it's been a great experience. Wow. There's a lot to pull from that. You uh, yeah. expand pretty much every niche of, of uh, real estate investing in that. Uh, when did you get started? What was the first year that you, you know, you bought that first house? So I was 25. This was 2007. 2000. Oh, wow. So, right yeah. at the at the the bottom of the barrel there it kind of was i bought my first two deals when it wasn't quite at the bottom and so that uh that probably was the reason why i didn't do very well on those deals but um you know i have to say having a business partner that pushes you allows you to get through those low spots where you think you just want to give up and um it really helped me continue going i mean there was many times where i just wanted to stop but looking back i'm so glad that i didn't 
Yeah, I can, uh, I can actually attest to that. Having a business partner, um, for anybody listening, watching, if you don't have a business partner that you're working with, it is so important, at least for your motivation. Um, Neil, you can probably speak to this too. Uh, having a, a business partner, um, not even on individual deals, but to like work together and push each other, it's, uh, it, it really helps you keep going when, uh, when the inevitable downturn comes. That's right. Yeah. And, and one thing you'll learn is, you know, there's when you have a business partner that complements your skills, it's, it's really great because you can focus on what you're really good at and you can have them focus on what they're really good at. And, um, you know, it's whereas if you have the wrong partner, um, you guys are both trying to butt heads on every decision. And um, so it's really important to do your due diligence up front and make sure that you guys are a right fit for each other. That is also very, very good advice. Um, so it sounds like it's funny. You are, uh, I think the third engineer and at least the 10th person that said they got started with rich dad, poor dad. So this, is a, this yeah. is a common theme that's, uh, been coming through the show. It's, it's really good. Yeah. Um, so you got started buying houses. You did just regular, you know, rentals and then fix and flips. And then you got into the burr method. Then you got into notes and now yeah. you're, you're doing development. Um, yep. so kind of tell us why, why did you decide to, I mean, that's a, that's a broad, st- uh, breadth of different you know, strategies. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all kind of, you know, entail different things. So why did you decide to go into, um, into land development? Yeah. So, um, land development has always been just something that I thought was really cool. I mean, um, everybody that I talked to about it just gets super excited about it. Like, how'd you get into that? You know, and that's how I felt before I had gotten into it. I wanted to get into it. I wanted to learn how to build neighborhoods, how to build something that's going to be there after I die, you know? And, um, so the funny, funny thing came about is that my, my old roommate from Purdue called me one day, this was 20 years after we graduated. And he said, listen, I'm relocating to Indianapolis from Chicago. And, um, I haven't been able to find a property to buy that fits my needs, but I did find this piece of land. Um, you have a real estate background and I have experience in developing high rise buildings and other, um, type of developments in Chicago. Maybe we can combine our skills and try to make this into a neighborhood and I can build my home in this neighborhood. So it, it, um, it, it probably wouldn't have come about if I wasn't listening for that nugget. You know, once you start thinking about things more, you start, your ears start picking up things. And he just happened to mention something about development and I, my ear perked up and and we had that conversation. So, you know, it took us about five years to really complete that development, but it was a lot of lessons learned, a lot of, you know, cutting our teeth on, on some things that we just had no idea how to do. And how, you know, luckily we we were profitable, you know, we didn't probably make as much money as we could have because, you know, things go wrong when you're doing it for the first time, but it was really exciting and it was something new. And I think that's why you'll see, you know, that I've done so many different things. It's not because I necessarily wanted to do 10 things in real estate. It's just that I love the challenge of learning something new. So after a couple of years, when I get into a routine, I don't necessarily feel like I want to keep, keep staying in that routine. I want to go on to something new and learn something new. And that's, that's how I probably ended up in development. I like it. I like it. And I'm sure it, uh, it itches or scratches that um, engineer itch to uh, solve all the problems that go along with uh, developing land. Yeah, it does. Um, 
So why don't you take us a little bit further into, um, you know, developing land. This isn't something that a lot of real estate investors do, um, especially when they're getting started. I mean, it's definitely something that a more experienced investor Mm -hmm. engages in. Um, So kind of tell us first, how do you decide on, um, you know, you're starting from scratch, you're starting from from raw land. So how do you Mm -hmm. decide on the parcel um, on the land? And, you know, what are you looking for? Um, what demographics are you looking for? What, uh, what you know, aspects of the actual land itself are you looking for? Um, and then kind of tell us, you know, what's the process from there? You know, you got to get permits. Um, you got to find a builder. Uh, just take us through the entire process, nuts to bolts. Um, how does land developing go? Sure. Yeah. It's, and there's so many variables involved. No two deals are going to be the same. So that's kind of also why it's tricky. But yeah, starting from the beginning, when you're locating a piece of land, um, you know, uh, it's important to know what type of utilities are available. Um, You know, it's not necessarily true that you're always going to have a water connection or a sewer connection right across the street. I mean, you might have to go two miles down the road, drill under the road to get to your parcel. And that's a huge cost. So you need to you need to understand that part of it. Um, You also need to understand what type of plan the city itself has for that parcel. And this is something that a lot of people don't know is that most municipalities actually have land plans for the entire city. They have a vision for their city for the next 20 years. And they've actually blocked out every part of their city as to what they would like it to be. So there's parts that they want to be residential. There's other parts that they want to be commercial. Um, There's other parts that they want to be industrial. And so really understanding what their land plan is and what their vision is for the future gives you a step up when you get to the point of proposing your project to the city, because you can tell them that you've already looked at their vision and you're in line with what they want. Um, So those are a few things you need to look at. Obviously, school systems are important if you're building residential homes and you want people to be able to to build a home that they want to stay in for for a long time. Um, Access to infrastructure such as, you know, interstates and things like that. So pretty much there's a lot of similarities with single residential flipping that you would do to make it desirable for someone that wants to buy. Um, But you just have some added things infrastructure wise on the land development that you have to pay attention to. Um, And then structure wise, once you buy the land, you, um, you have to take it through rezoning. Typically it's, it's usually not zoned to what it needs to be on the back end. And that process, there's both zoning and what what you said before was just city planning. And that has nothing to do with zoning. It's just their, their vision for, for what that plat should be. It it does have to do with, with zoning. It's kind of, um, it, it goes hand in hand. So basically if their thought is that this area needs to be residential, then there's zonings, uh, there's zones that, that will, uh, comply with that with that process. So, uh, for example, a single resident, single family residential neighborhood. There's R1, R2, R3. Those are the main densities. E- with you know, each number represents the amount of density and the amount of units you can have per um, acreage. And um, if you're going to have it more dense, you, you go towards one zoning. If you want it to be more spread out and not as many units, then you'll then you'll go towards another zoning. Um, and so that's that's kind of the iterative process you have to go through with the city is you have to sit down with them and say, this is what I'm planning. Does this work for you? If not, how do you want to tweak it? 
And it's a very uh, political process, which I never really understood to begin with. You're dealing with presenting your project to city council members that have been elected to that office. Oh, okay. It's, it's a situation where you want to make sure you appease all of their, uh, all their requirements. And even if you go in doing exactly what they told you to do, there might be two or three people on the city council that disagree with what you're doing and they're going to vote no regardless. So it it's, have it's to very, be, I'm assuming it doesn't have to be unanimous vote in that case or else uh, no. It doesn't. It doesn't. You need a majority, but it's, it's nerve wracking because not everybody shows up all the time. So initially you thought, uh, you know, you only needed the majority of uh, nine people and it might be like a five and four count that you have to go for. But then if only four people show up, now you know. Now the, the ratios are slightly different, so it, huh. yeah, you just never know what you're going to get. I've uh, I've never thought of that aspect of I've never done development myself, so that's uh, that's really interesting. You actually have to. I never considered that you'd have to deal with uh, with re- or local politics in that sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hmm. Um, and, but in most cases, you know, we try to do what's right for the surrounding neighbors, and a lot of times, what that is is improving drainage. You you end up buying land in areas where water pools next to people's houses that are next to you. And um, it's really great to be able to present to your project and show that you're improving the neighborhood around you. That helps you support with, with support and it helps you get approved in the city council. And we're proud of being able to do that for our neighbors. Huh? Interesting. Okay. So once, once you do get the zoning, so say you got your R3, um, what you were looking for, and now what's the next step after that? So after that, um, you know, during the same process, I, I would say you also have to look at your soil, make sure that the, there's no environmental contaminants in the soil. You have to make sure that if you're building a home that's going to have basement, a basement, then uh, that the soil composition is suitable for, for digging basements. Um, so you want to make sure you do all your due diligence and once all that is complete and, um, you you can pretty much apply for permits with the city and, um, bring those utilities to the site. If you need to water, sewer, sanitary, um, sorry, water, storm sewer and sanitary. And, uh, once you have those utilities there and the infrastructure is built, you'll pave roads. You want to get those roads paved and you're basically, creating a secondary plat, which is what the, the document is that, that gets recorded that shows you've split up the property into however many parcels. That's what gives each of those individual parcels its own parcel number. And um, at that point, you just have to team up with a builder that, that's gonna build the, the actual homes. There are some developers that build homes as well, like themselves. And so then they just, they can start building their product. In our case, we don't, specialize in building the actual structures. We just specialize in building the infrastructure. So on our first neighborhood, we found a home builder that's looking for that particular parcel and we partnered up with them and they sign a takedown agreement, which guarantees to us that they're going to buy a certain number of lots per month. And after so many years, you'll sell all your lots and you'll be done. Got you. Okay. I, yeah, I'd always uh, wondered that. So you, you actually, you do the land itself. Um, you prepare the land and you, then that's where you stop. Then you'll sell the the plots, the prepared plots yes. or plots to, um, to the developers. 
Right. And the investment is all on the front end. So the land purchase, the construction, the rezoning, paying the attorneys to do all the rezoning, all of that work uh, costs money and you have to pay that up front. Then as you sell lots, that those loans, those construction loans get paid back. And then the rule of thumb is basically that you'll, you'll need to try and aim for 75% of the lot sales to pay for the infrastructure. And then after that, the remaining 25% on the back end is where you make your profit. So it's a little bit riskier because you're, you're taking all that chance up front, but if you do all your due diligence the right way, you'll be making pretty good money on the back end. I was going to say that sounds, uh, it sounds a little too scary for my, for my taste. <laughs> you got, you got uh, bigger balls than I do. Um, it, all right. Scary for sure. I mean, but that's kind of what I thrive on, right. Is that challenge. Mm-hmm. So hopefully you build up enough buffer in there to where even if things go wrong, you know, you're not in the red at least. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cause, um, I, so you, the last development you did about wh- how, what was the size in terms of, uh, you know, upfront capital that you had to f- do for that? Yeah. So our first one, um, cost about two and a half million to purchase the land and do the development on. And, um, you know, hopefully when you, when you sell those lots on the back end, you, you can sell them for, you know, between 90 and 120 K a lot just depending on the type of product that's going to go on there um, or, you know, what, whatever a builder is willing to pay really, because it's a negotiation at the end of the day. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting. So I want to take it a little bit, um, a little bit past just land development. Um, so sure. you've, you've gone, I mean, you, you've done single family multi or you, have you done multifamily? Have you like flipped multifamily houses and, we have not flipped them. I mean, I've owned them as a landlord, but, uh, but yeah, I have not uh, flipped them. Do you, uh, do you still own um, rentals or are you a hundred percent in for? Uh... No, I do. I do. I still own about 12 and I'm still looking to acquire more because as you know, you know, as, as rich dad, poor dad treat, uh, teaches us is that, you know, that the passive income is what um, allows me to do this full time. You know, it, it allows me to, I, I also mentioned earlier um, that, that we moved to Asia with, our, I moved our whole family to Asia for, for almost a year and I, I didn't have a job there. So it's the passive income that, that allowed us to do that. So wow. yeah, I'm a big believer in, in, in that's, rental. That's great. That's uh, yeah, that's exactly what rich dad, poor dad says. So uh, congratulations. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so actually I'm curious what of all the different strategies that you've done, you know, land development, single family, um, burr method, et cetera, et cetera, which one has been, I was going to say your favorite, um, but also I, I suppose the most effective in re- getting you to where you want to be financially. Yeah, that's a really good question. I would say um, a lot of people get started in wholesaling first, then maybe flipping and then maybe rentals just because the barrier to entry is lower and it's it's better to make money faster in that order. I did it the exact opposite. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> it's, it's so strange. I started buying rental. Then after the rentals, I started flipping. And then after flipping, I got into wholesaling. And I think, um, there's no good explanation for that other than in my mind, after having read everything, I knew that passive income was the ultimate goal. That's how I knew that you become wealthy. It's not from just making the money up front quickly and then, um, doing it over and over again, because again, that's going to feel like a job, 
you know, to yep. keep doing those things over and over again. And so, I mean, we didn't have the capital we needed right away to buy the rentals, but we borrowed and, and begged and, you know, <laughs> took out credit cards and did what did you had to do to do. Um, you know, we worked eight hours a day at our normal jobs and then worked eight hours after that in the same day, renovating our properties. Wow. Um, so it was a long, you know, for, for two to three years. So, um, I would say there's no, there's no, um, best way of doing it. If you, if you're interested in wholesaling, if you want to make quick money with, with little investment, that's perfectly fine. If you'd rather get your hands dirty and, um, and flip yourself, that's fine as well. Or, you know, if you want to go straight to the rentals, that works also. You just got to think about what opportunities are coming your way. Be open to doing all three of them, just depending on what comes your way. I like it. Um, so we're going to switch gears just a little bit here. Um, we've talked about, you know, the nuts and bolts of your business, how you do land development, um, you know, the, the actual process of getting, you know, buying the land, platting it out. Um, so now I want to hear a little bit more on the personal side, a little bit more of the stories. I mean, we all know um, real estate is you know, it's a roller coaster. You got your ups, you got your downs. Um, so kind of take us what has been kind of the most, not the lowest point, but also the most difficult thing that you've run into, um, in real estate and what, what lesson did you pull from that? Yeah, I like that question. Um, it's challenged me personally and in more ways than I ever would have imagined. Um, and it continues to do that even today. I mean, even after having done everything I've done, I get challenged on a personal level, level every single day. And a lot of it comes down to um, things that you're just not quite comfortable with. Like for me personally, I'm, I'm an, intro, an introvert and I can pretend like I'm an extrovert for a certain period of time. But at that point, I have to go back to being an introvert. And that was a big personal thing that I have developed and I'm still trying to develop um, because real estate is a people business. You have to be able to speak with people, negotiate with people, um, and, uh, network with people, right? I mean, your, your network is your net worth is what they say. And I, I wholeheartedly believe that. So as far as the toughest thing I've had to encounter, it's, it's the people part of the business. It's, um, initially when I was getting involved in real estate, I, like I mentioned to you, I had business partners and we all had different strengths and weaknesses. And, I'd be lying to you if I said all of our, all of my partnerships were perfect partnerships. I mean, um, there were many things that we butted heads on and there were shouting matches and there, and it was all in good, uh, you know, for good intentions of trying to grow together and build our business together. But it was very, very challenging. And I'll say after all of that, um, you really learn what you're good at. And there's a really good book called traction, which I'm sure you've heard of that really goes through whether, you're a visionary or whether you are more of an integrator type personality and understanding which one you are will allow you to focus more of your time on doing what you love to do. I like it. What was the name of that book again? It's called Traction. Um, actually, I don't have it here with me, but uh, there's Traction and there's Rocket Fuel. And um, those are the two um, really good books that, that talk about visionaries and, and uh, integrators. I like it. And I'm going to have to apologize. Um, I, I mean, this is Corona time, so I'm at my home office and my beagle um, must be seeing a dog out front. So she might be barking a little bit. So uh, sorry if you hear a little. No worries. I'm, I'm, wait, I'm just waiting for my kids to barge into the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you deal with what you got to do with, right? 
Um, okay. So yeah, that, that's really good. I mean, I, we all know that, um, real, real estate really is a people business. I mean, you gotta, you really do have to get out there. Um, and so one of the things that you, you know, the lessons that you kind of had to overcome was, was dealing with, um, you know, being a little bit more of an introvert and, 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 you know, running into the reality that real estate is a people business. So, um, so that's a good lesson. And so now take us to, you know, to the top. Um, what has been the thing that you love the most about real estate? Um, what, what's the thing that gets you out of the bed um, when you're when you're thinking about it? It's um, I think the flexibility is just amazing. I mean, um, this pandemic is a very good um, example, right? I mean, a lot of people out there that have worked their whole lives um, at their at their jobs and have really dedicated their lives to to these employers are now just laying people off left left and right and. Um, you know, I'm very fortunate to have been able to get into real estate when I did and to build up a rental portfolio and to be able to work for myself. And, you know, I'm not dealing with the same types of things that some of these, um, you know, lifelong empl- employees are dealing with, with struggling to make payments on their mortgage after they lose their job. It's, um, it's not something that, that, um, you know, it, that we should take lightly. I think everybody has to really invest in themselves is really the way to put it because nobody else is going to invest in you like you're going to be able to invest in yourself. Um, so, you know, I think the flexibility is huge being able to wake up, help make breakfast for my kids, um, take my take my kids to school, you know, um, go to all their activities after school and uh, really just dictate the life that I want to live, you know, understanding what my whys are in my life and making sure I fit those into my day um, instead of putting an employer first. Um, so I think that that in itself is, is worth it. I like it. Couldn't put it any, any better way. Um, unfortunately we are, we're running at the end of our, our schedule time here. We like to keep these about 20 to 30 minutes. Um, but before we go, uh, I mean, everybody needs things. So what is it that somebody could bring you that you could benefit from? You know, like I said, I always love learning about new areas of real estate. So um, I would love to just continue to network with people and really understand different aspects of, of real estate that I haven't gotten into yet. Um, I haven't done the multifamilies, like you said, on the flip, you know, flipping multifamilies. Um, I, I love the idea of apartment complexes being able to force appreciation and, you know, maybe selling five years down the road. Um but um, really, I just love networking. So if anybody is interested in just learning more about what I've done or, you know, maybe maybe they can share something that they've done that I haven't done, um, that really gets me excited. And um, I love helping people take control of their time again and be able to fill their days with things that they want to do. Awesome. I love it. All right, Neil. Well, uh, I, I know I can speak for everybody, um, both listening and watching, that we really appreciated having you on here, um, sharing your, your wisdom about land development and just your entire experience in real estate. Um, if somebody did want to get, get a hold of you, um, get in contact with you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so I'm on all the social media platforms, Facebook, um, LinkedIn. So yeah, just uh, you can reach out, Neil Garadia, um, G-O-R-A-D-I-A. It's kind of a tough last name to spell, but yeah, just feel free to get in touch with me, and uh, I'm I'm pretty accessible. I you know, just uh, I think like one of your other guests said, just please try not to sell me on something, but <laughs> but more than happy to talk and 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 you know 
and learn from each other. Sounds good. Again, thank you very, very much for coming on. And uh, for everybody else, we will see you on the next episode. All right. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for joining us on the Real Estate Investing Club. If you feel we provided value, we would appreciate it if you hit that thumbs up, share with your friends online, whatever it may be. If you'd like to share or partner with us on an investment deal, we are always looking for quality projects. Go to www.therealestateinvestingclub.com to get in contact with one of our partners. Otherwise, I hope you guys have an absolutely fantastic day and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right, before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, Go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.